Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to the adventure for week eight. We uh, we're excited to be back once again. Kind of kind of pumped that we still have listeners at this point. To be to be honest. Yeah. Well, at least we hope we still have listeners. <laughs> uh, it's really actually hard to determine if people are listening. All we really have to go on is on SoundCloud. We can see how many people have listened. We can't really see that stuff on iTunes. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we have our Facebook likes, which we assume that all 125 or so of those people are listening. So. Yeah. So. Uh, we're really excited that you're coming back on the adventure with us this week. For for this week's topic, I, I was actually, I got the idea a couple weeks ago <clears throat> when our, our good friend Sarah Matler, um, she posted a picture of herself for Halloween and she dressed up as an elf from Lord of the Rings and I got super excited uh, because, like, uh, like some of you know, I am a major, major uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings fan. So I actually responded uh, to to her Facebook post in Elvish. I got kind of excited and then realized that she didn't speak Elvish in return. Uh, so I had to translate that for her. As most people do not. As, as most people. Uh, I guess it's just a few of us major geeks. It got me thinking that we actually had not done an explicitly um, Lord of the Rings themed podcast yet, which is very much not like me actually a couple weeks ago just throwing it out there with the elvish a couple weeks ago we were at brewings for the game seven of the astros so yeah, go, astros. go astros i know we i know we have never really said anything about that to this point really but uh via yeah, ghostros um but there was like our waiter had elvish tattooed on his arm yeah, which on, on clint like arms. geeked out about <laughs> yeah he uh, became my favorite waiter for a few seconds after that so it was pretty cool he had both both arms he had elvish tattooed on it so but yeah so it made me think that, that we hadn't done uh, a topic on that yet and then i was talking with a good friend of ours uh chris donato who is uh, an adore uh, missionary down here he's a speaker and he was speaking at my parish to some of our teens uh, a couple weeks back and it was about the same time as halloween and he we were talking about our podcast and he uh, mentioned that he was also a big Lord of the Rings fan, and he suggested um, a book called The Philosophy of Tolkien by Peter Kreeft. He suggested that I read it, and it was just so happened that I, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite books, actually, about, um, about Tolkien. So I kind of steal some ideas from, from Kreeft on, on this podcast, but um, hopefully you guys can forgive me for that, because it's, it's, it's pretty good stuff, I think. So but with that being said, it kind of got me thinking that in, in almost every story, there's always this clear good guy and bad guy. And most of the time, it's not even 
like explicitly said that the hero is good or the villain is bad, but we're kind of able to just infer that from their actions and their thoughts and their motives that they are either either the the good or the evil. And if we are able to look at a story and say, okay, she is good and he is bad, just based off of their decisions and their actions, then I think it's kind of crazy that and unrealistic to believe that there are that there are not choices and actions that are distinctly and absolutely evil or distinctly and absolutely good. So if we can recognize that in people, in movies, then we should be able to recognize that in real life, I think. Right? Right. So, for example, this isn't Lord of the Rings, but going to Batman, right? So if Batman defends Gotham against uh, Ra's al Ghul or the Joker or Bane and the others trying to destroy it, we don't say, okay, Bane trying to blow up Gotham may be evil to you, but to me, he's the good guy and Batman's the jerk. That would be insane. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, and I I think that Batman tends to do a really good job of drawing those moral absolutes. I know there's like a really big move um, for villains sort of to kind of be humanized. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but Mm -hmm. this idea of like they have their own motives and they're just maybe slightly distorted. Like they they want, you know, you kind of, uh, to I know you really like D and D, so kind of like yeah. the lawful evil, right? These people right. who are who have good intentions, but they're just necessarily like doing it the wrong way, and so it kind of makes them this bad guy. And to a certain extent, like I think that that's where people want to kind of get a like moral relativism wants to put its foothold. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a very different thing, right? There's a difference between saying that there's no such thing as objective good and evil, and saying like people struggle with their own flaws and like people can make bad decisions right because there's really no such thing as a like especially in humanity there's no such thing as a, a inherently evil person it's just somebody who's necessarily making maybe bad decisions making evil decisions but but ultimately like we're not evil in ourselves right yeah and i i think like this idea that every story comes down to this distinguishable good versus evil Kraft uh, actually lays that out pretty well in his book. So I want to go ahead and quote him real quick. He says, That vision of life as a spiritual warfare between good and evil is the vision of life presupposed in every great story. For any great story must take both good and evil very seriously in order to generate great drama. And the fundamental theme of every great story is always this spiritual warfare between some particular good and some particular evil. The conflict between good and evil is the source of all conflict between characters. The source of all external conflict between good and evil within each character. And so Kraft goes on to, to point out that like this war isn't just a battle between two equally powerful powers, right? Um, very rarely does a successful story end in the bad guys winning. So why is that? I think part of it is because we don't like stories where evil wins. We enjoy stories where it's hopeful. It has uh, a hopeful ending. But I think there's more to it than that, too. There aren't very many stories where evil wins because true good always defeats true evil. Right? So going back to Lord of the Rings. So there's a quote in uh, the second movie, The, the Two Towers, and they're in Osgiliath, and uh, Frodo is talking to Sam, and Sam says something that 
really, really sticks with me, and I, I, I really like this quote. He says, It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. I think that's exactly what we're trying to say here, if you think about it. So, yes, all of these good stories have this darkness in it, but ultimately, in, in these stories, that darkness always passes away because not only is the, the light stronger, but it appears to be even more powerful after the darkness has been overcome. And I think the reason for that is that evil and good are not equal opposites. I think so many times, especially today, we get this idea that the opposite of good is evil, and that's not true. So good is the extent that something is as it should be and as it was created to be. Okay, so I'll say that again. Good is the extent that something is as it should be or as it was created to be. As Catholics, we believe that God is not some supreme being, but rather that he is being itself. So if God is being itself, and when something is as it should be, it is good, that means that God is the ultimate and perfect good. Evil, on the other hand, is not the opposite of good. It's the absence of it. If something is not good, that means it is not as it should be, not as it was created to be, right? So, going back to Crave's book, I think he has another really good yeah. quote on this. Uh, so he says, In the end, evil will always reveal its inevitable self-destruction. Although after a terrible price is paid, for example, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin. He says, The self-destruction of evil is not just something to believe in and hope for, but to be certain of. For evil can only be a parasite on good. It depends on a good host for it to pervert. And whenever a parasite succeeds in killing its host, it also kills itself. So if evil succeeds, it fails. It commits suicide. Right? So we now have this uh, painting of God as the perfect good, and then evil as kind of like this dependent. Right? So you can have good without evil, but you cannot have evil without good because it is the absence of good. So you have to have something to be absent of. Right. It reminds me like <clears throat> darkness in itself is not a thing. It's just the absence of light. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a perfect, perfect example. So then Kreeft goes on to, to say something that I, I find really cool. He says, nothing is evil in the beginning or by nature. So, for example, Morgoth was one of the Ainu. Uh, so I'll break this quote down a little bit because there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of different uh, references in this one. So Morgoth is um, actually the main bad guy in the, not in the Lord of the Rings, but in the entire uh, world of, of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. So he's sort of like universe. the Satan figure? Or? Yeah, so actually it's, it's a perfect example because the, the Ainu are the original creatures, right? So in Tolkien's universe, there's a god, his name is Iluvatar, and he created several uh, high beings called the Ainu. 
And Morgoth was the most powerful of them, and he chose to reject Iluvatar, just like Satan. So Morgoth is, is literally a representation of Satan. Um, but originally he was created good and then chose to reject God, just like um, Lucifer did. So then the quote goes on to talk about Sauron uh, being a Maya. So Sauron is the main bad guy in The Lord of the Rings, and a Maya is kind of a lower angel. So just like Morgoth was like Lucifer, Sauron is, was also a fallen angel. And then we have Saruman, who was the, the wizard. He was actually the head of the Order of Wizards. Uh, fun fact, uh, the wizards, uh, they're called Istari, but they are actually uh, angels too. So they were sent down to protect and defeat Saruman. That was hmm. their purpose. So, so going back to that, Saruman was the, the head of, of those wizards when they came down, and he became corrupted uh, throughout his time there. Quote goes on to say, The orcs were once elves, and the ringwraith were once men, and Gollum was a hobbit. So I'll, I'll talk about all three of those things probably in a, a later podcast, but the point is uh, evil is the perversion of some version the the unnatural twisting of some nature and all nature is good right and i think that kind of goes back to what i was saying a little bit earlier where um you know the villains that we tend to see you know we we kind of you know in modern society sort of humanize the villain of giving them this backstory and the reason why they're evil i think it goes to show that you know that they're not really evil from the get-go right they they've made their sort of decision you know one of the the things that i think is is so great about like batman and the joker um is that batman could have easily become the joker right we don't know a ton about the joker's past but we do know like they're always known as like two like two sides of the same coin right that like the joker is just given into the evil and the insanity whereas batman sort of fights against it and he keeps his morality uh, even in the face of that great danger right and that great like evil that he sees in Gotham with his parents dying and stuff like yeah. that. But and that even like it's kinda hard to sometimes think this, but even that like Satan was initially created good. I mean Lucifer was an archangel. Right. Right. And it's just this idea of of rejecting God and and when we reject God we're you know, when we reject God who is in himself love and goodness, we're not left with much but hate and evil. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting the point you bring up about Kind of the Joker figure and how uh, even the bad guys have a story, right? So yeah, they, they, they were all created good and, and they have this story and it's not that they themselves are are necessarily evil, but what they do, what they decide, their their actions and, and their decisions that they they bring kind of, like I said, they, they distort them, they, they pervert them, kind mm-hmm. of was the quote that... Um, craved use uh, so I think that's, that's a really good point but the, the idea that this nature is good is because it was created by God and, and is as it was created to be so we as humans are created good because God only creates as it should be but because of this amazing gift that he gives us this free will he gives us the choice to either continue to be good as he created us to be or to live contrary to that which is kind of what you were talking about mm-hmm. uh, and, and we have a word for that called sin, right? So that's that's what that is. It's when we choose to do something contrary to what we are created for. Right, and um, and the word sin is actually, fun fact, it's a French word, an archery word, yeah. that means uh, to miss the mark. Right. 
yeah so i i think that's a perfect example it, it we miss the mark of yeah. who we are created to be and so through doing that we become more and more of this perversion of who we are created to be so then crafe goes on to, to make another point and he talks about a character called tom bombadil so if you only know lord of the rings from the the movies guilty uh, yeah, so if you, if you only know him from the movies, you're not going to know this character because unfortunately the movies cut him out. But he's actually a major character in, in the books. But he kind of, yeah, he, he's, he's really, really cool, but he, he gets cut out. So that's unfortunate that his story is uh, cut out there. So Crape says that with the exception of Tom Bombadil, there is hardly a character in The Lord of the Rings who is not tempted by evil. The war is not just external between the white chess pieces and the black but within every single piece on the board. Even while there's an external war going on between two sides that really but imperfectly represent the good, the fellowship, and the evil Mordor. Now, I, I think that can be said for, for most stories. There seems to be uh, certain layers of struggles. There's this, the, the external struggle, which is usually kind of the main focus of the story, but that struggle usually kind of builds up or, or points to this internal struggle. So like going back to our, our Batman example, I feel like we're doing more Batman than Lord of the Rings in this, but that's okay. Going back to the Batman example, we have the external battle of Batman saving the city against his villains. But there's also the internal struggle of Batman trying to understand himself, his relationships, his identity, and even in some of the movies, his, his purpose. Like why... Why is he there? And so these struggles, both external and internal, point to this constant battle that's happening within us all. So this idea of good versus evil, choosing God and his will for us versus choosing against him and, and giving in to sin and temptation. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, we can kind of see that sometimes, like, you always see, like, depicted in cartoons you always have like the angel on one side and like the devil on the other. Right. Yeah. And sort of that like internal struggle that you have, right? But ultimately, no matter what, if like we choose good, we will always win. And our sort of our choices help determine whether we'll be on the victorious side or defeated, right? We know as Christians that, that Christ ultimately wins. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, the outcome is not going to change. Like we said, good will always prevail. And we talked about that earlier on in the podcast. But our, our choices, uh, whether we choose the the angel or the devil on the shoulder, that's what's going to determine which team we're playing for when, right. when the outcome. Another point that, that Kraft brought up that I think is really good, he says, evil is limited to power. It cannot use weakness. It is limited to pride. It cannot use humility. It is limited to suffering and death. It cannot use suffering and death. It is limited to selfishness. It cannot use selflessness. But good can. It takes selflessness to give birth. So evil cannot create or give birth. The shadow that bred them can only mock, cannot make. So going off of that, that's a really good representation of Christianity, right? So Christ uses our weakness, right? Christ uses humility. Christ uses uh, his own suffering and death to bring good things come out of it. But but evil doesn't have the power to do that because it only feeds off of good. So even though we know that good will always overcome, it's important to keep in mind just one last thing. This is the last point that I'll steal from, from Crave. He says, All our victories against evil in this world are only temporary. 
the idea of progress central to modernity is simply false. We have not progressed in virtue or wisdom, only in power and cleverness. Good and evil are like odd and even integers. Science and technology are only their exponents. They multiply whatever they are given, good or evil, odd or even. So the ring is so powerful that no creature can overcome it. Similarly, Christianity teaches that sin is so powerful that no creature can overcome it. Only God can. So I think that's, that's really important to remember. All right, so a lot of the times we get this idea that this spiritual battle that's within us or even our external battles or um, whatever battles we're facing, we get this idea that, oh, I got this. I, I don't need help. You know, And so we try to go about it by ourselves. And, and I like to make the point of you don't go to war by yourself. You know, can you imagine a soldier going into battle against thousands of people and it was just, just himself? Maybe in movies we would call that brave, but, you know, and, and realistically, it's, it's kind of idiotic. You know, you're not going to go in by yourself. Right. I think, you know, we were at a, several, uh, probably a couple months, but we, there was a speaker that came down to the Galveston group and he was talking about angels and demons and, and just sort of the spiritual warfare. And, and he pointed out that, like, everybody who's ever lived and will ever live, just think about like how many billions upon billions of people that is, each of them has a guardian angel. Mm-hmm. And if like they're ordained to the priesthood and how many priests you've had, like they'll get like an additional, right? Like there's these like other angels, like gated angels. And the guardian angels are one of the smaller classes of angels we're taught. And so there's just an overwhelming amount, probably trillions and trillions of angels and a third of them fell with Satan. Right. Right. So that's like a lot. And so like if you're trying to go into battle against that alone, like those are pretty overwhelming lose. odds. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to lose. So like, so it's important to have those, you know, to, to turn to God because he's really the one who can do that, to turn to the guardian angels, to turn to the saints, those who are, who are there to help you in those battles. Right. So no matter... The brothers how, in arms, so to speak, right? Yeah, absolutely. So no, no matter how many like small victories we win, you know, those, those aren't the, the wars... Like those are the battles, mm-hmm. you know. So ultimately, even, even if we win a small battle here and there towards uh, overcoming evil, we're not going to be able to win the war by ourselves. So, right. And that's and, what, and on the flip side of that, you know, when we do, st- which we will, because we have that thing called concupiscence, when we do stumble and fall, you know, not to get super discouraged, right? And that, like, we will stumble and, and maybe lose that one battle, but there's more battles to be won, right? And there's still a war to be won as yeah. we move forward from that. Yeah, I think the hope from that definitely comes from kind of the ending of that quote there that Craved had. He, like, he says, only God can overcome that. And so God offers us that, that help, that, that benefit of his infinite good, his infinite power, so that we can overcome the evil. And so there's always that, that hope there that as long as we cling to him, we will emerge victorious in the end. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the adventure. Please be sure to uh, subscribe, to leave us a positive review on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. And please be sure to email us. We, we would love to hear from you guys. If there's any topics that you want us to talk about, be sure to challenge us. You know, if, if there's something that you're like, oh, I wonder if they'll be able to find Christ in this or that, like, let us know, like, I'm sure we can, you know, like, that's one of the things about being human is 
our hearts are oriented toward God. So even if we're really trying not to, there's always something there. Right. Yeah. Speaking of, of challenges, a challenge for y'all this week, kind of based off of our topic, just kind of look into your life a little bit this week and try and recognize those battles in your, in your own life, or whether they're spiritual, mental, physical, whatever they are. And just kind of look at those, recognize those, and then think about which side are you choosing to support? You know, we talked about how uh, the outcome's already determined, you know, good is always going to win, but are you choosing to be a part of that good team or are, are you making choices that lead you closer to the, the evil team? Um, then ultimately, are you letting Christ lead you into battle or are, are you walking yourself into uh, some inevitable defeat on your own, you know? So just kind of analyze those battles in your own life this week. That's kind of my challenge for you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys again for joining us this week on The Adventure.